Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy. Hey friends, I'm Alicia. Thanks so much for joining us today for Whoa, a brand new tale of marital misadventure with one of our favorite sitcom moms, Shirley Jones. We know her, we love her, the bubbly and talented mom from the Partridge family with a very, very trashy divorce from fellow actor Jack Cassidy. Mm. And this is only part one. This story is so juicy that it takes two episodes to tell with a lot of spider eggs, too. Before we begin this episode, happy Valentine's Day to all. And I want to give a big shout out and thanks to all of you who have secured your tickets for our Valentine's Day decompression session coming this Thursday, February 16th at 8 p.m. We can't wait to hang out with y'all for a night of fun and surprises and scandal and tricks and treats and trash candy and stuff. It's going to be amazing. That's 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific and wherever you live in the world some other time. And it's not too late. You can still grab your ticket. Absolutely. At moment.co slash trashy divorces. Get them while they're hot. You can buy them right up to showtime. You can rewatch for seven days after. It's going to be a lot of fun. Right now, it's time for another sitcom mom. People will say they're in love and it's <laughs> time for us to go, go, go. Alicia, you have a sitcom mom so trashy that it requires two parts. There's a lot of that this season, isn't there? It's such an exciting story. Shirley Jones, you think of as so saccharine sweet, but she's kind of a little spicy. Yeah, this one's going to be a two-parter. Big thanks to Melissa O. She has had a lot of fun with sitcom moms in her research, and I am delighted <laughs> to be here to tell you today about Shirley Jones. Shirley Jones starts her 2013 memoir with this sentence. Although I was named Shirley after the saccharine child star Shirley Temple, I've always been far more full of spice than sugar. Hmm. Now, it may be difficult for us to imagine the mother of the Partridge family as being anything other than saccharine sweet. But Shirley Jones will share many stories in her book that prove, in fact, yes, she is far spicier than any of us could have imagined. You may think that this was all the influence of her womanizing first husband, Jack Cassidy. And in large part, it was his influence that encouraged her naughtiness <laughs> to come out. But Shirley Jones continued to be spicy long after that marriage ended. Not only is Shirley Jones a supremely talented singer, performer, and actress, she is also a complex and independent woman who was far ahead of her time in many, many ways. From her childhood in Pennsylvania to Broadway to television and beyond, Shirley Jones has continued to entertain us. And maybe after hearing her story, you may find that she has the ability to shock us just a little bit too. Wow, spicy and shocking. I, I'm excited. The story is amazing. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Shirley Mae Jones was born on March the 31st, 1934, Aries girl. She grows up in Smithton, Pennsylvania. Its population is 800. Big town. Wow. Bright likes big city. Yeah, inspiring. 
Shirley describes the classic all-American small town like River City from yeah. The Music Man. Mm-hmm. Shirley's dad owns the Jones Brewing Company, Perfect. which makes Stoney's beer. Love it. And employs about 400 of those 800 people. Wow. Okay. So he owns the town. <laughs> he owns the beer, which probably means you own the town. Right. Shirley's dad and his brothers run the brewery. After her grandfather passes away and Shirley's mom stays home and runs the household. Shirley's dad, Paul, he's a relaxed, kind of happy, affectionate man who gives Shirley far more love and support than her mother does during childhood. Shirley's mom, Marjorie, is not nearly as warm with Shirley as her father. She's much stricter with Mm -hmm. her daughter than Papa. But when Marjorie meets Paul, mom and dad meet, it is love at first sight for Marjorie, and it will last a lifetime. Shirley Jones will say, although it was obvious how much her mom loved her dad, Shirley notices way more complicated emotions just boiling underneath the surface, writing, from as far back as I can remember, my mother continually appeared to be suffering from a deep and abiding disappointment. Hmm. As I grew older and got to know my mother better, it became eminently clear to me that when she married my father of the Jones Brewing Company, she had expected far more out of life and forever afterward desperately longed to get out of Smithton and move to the big city. Hmm. Interesting. Despite her evident disappointment, Marjorie adores Paul. Shirley will say that she never saw her mom angry with her father. Mom would be infinitely patient with dad. She'd never complain, even when he comes home, stumbling drunk. Well, he works at a brewery. (laughs) I'm just tasting the wares. Got a product test. Shirley begins to realize later in life that watching her mother display such love and tolerance to her father it really does shape Shirley's own attitude to how she treats both of her husbands. We call this, friends, a mago. Yeah. But let's get back to Shirley being a little bit more spice than sugar. One of the many stories that illustrated that part of her is when Shirley had to go to the dentist and get a tooth pulled. Hmm. Leading up to the appointment, Shirley's little. She's mad about it. And so she's going to have some temper tantrums. She's going to stomp her feet and yell and say she is not going to get that tooth pulled no matter what. You know, I act this way ahead of dental appointments and I'm almost 50. That is true. That is true. Shirley, I feel (laughs) you. So knowing it was going to be difficult, both Marjorie and Paul, mom and dad, go with Shirley along with her favorite aunt named Aunt Ina. Shirley yells on the entire ride to the dentist office. Feel you, Shirley. Nothing that her parents or Aunt Ida do reassures Shirley or comforts her. Shirley's mad. She refuses to go into the dentist's office. She will not cross the threshold. I applaud this behavior. So Aunt Ina's like, okay, I got it. Shirley, if you go in and get that tooth extracted, I will get you a pony. Be a good girl. Let's take out that tooth and I'll get you a pony. Is this how Shirley Jones became an equestrian? (laughs) Shirley does decide that's a fair deal. Mm -hmm. So she'll go cross the threshold, go in the dentist chair, where she's immediately given anesthetic. Tooth pulled. When she wakes up, she's like, where's my pony? Where's my pony? 
And she looks at her parents. Shirley we does. had a deal. And Aunt Ina and none of them would make eye contact with her. Oh, my God. And Shirley, little Shirley Jones, realizes that she has been duped. That adults are liars. Mm-hmm. Mm. And she stuck her face in her dentist's face and yelled, I am not getting a pony and you are a big shit. <laughs> that's 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 amazing. Aries child. Don't I mean, don't mess with an Aries kid. Woo. Okay, so Shirley loves movies and movie stars. I mean, growing up in that day and age, of course you want to be like the movie stars and look like them and Shirley, as we've already seen from, hey, dentist, where's my pony and you're a big shit. Well, it sounds like she's pretty disappointed in her actual family. So having imaginary stars in her mind must help. Shirley's a rebel at heart is what I want you to know. And so Shirley's going to sneak makeup, cosmetics and stuff when she's not supposed to. Should have gotten her the pony, man. Shirley will convince her father to let her wear a strapless gown to prom. (gasps) Which was scandalous at the time because, whoa. Shoulders. You don't, shoulders. Oh my but God, shoulders. Strapless gowns are glamorous because sure. that's what the movie stars wear, right? Shirley's great love as a child was singing, which her parents discovered that Shirley's really, really good at when she's about four years old. No pony, great voice. And Shirley doesn't understand why everyone makes such a big deal over her singing voice because as a young child, it was just... Something she did. She didn't have to try hard at it. It just was something that she could do okay. But her parents, naturally, oh, you have a talent. Let's take you for lessons. And Shirley's like, I'm not going to lessons. I hate lessons. No, thank you. Still looking for that pony. Really into this kid. (laughs) She's amazing. She's a good kid. This is why it's a two-parter. The story is incredible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it wasn't until a camp counselor who played... Da-da-da! Broadway tunes on the piano. Counselor tells Shirley that her voice is a God-given gift. And Shirley's like, okay, I'll take lessons again. Hmm. Sometimes it's an adult, not your parent, to tell you, wow, you're incredible at that. Yeah, well, when someone who has no reason to flatter you gives you that kind of encouragement, it's a big deal. Shirley commits. Mm-hmm. So from this point on... If only she had a pony to ride to her lessons. It's not. It's Papa Paul, who will drive her into Pittsburgh once a week. She could have taken her pony. A horseback would be cool. It is in Pittsburgh <laughs> that she develops a passion specifically geared toward, surely I get you, my girl, Broadway tunes. God, I love it. Every summer, her parents will take Shirley to New York for a week. Wow. And they would go see Broadway shows together. That's cool. Like, it's the highlight. It's spring break. It's summer vacation. It's everything. I feel like she's past the pony thing now. (laughs) The very first show Shirley sees on Broadway was Oklahoma. Hmm. It's going to be a big deal soon. So throughout her teen years, Shirley does have a serious boyfriend. His name is Lou Malone. He is the quintessential Smithton All-American boy. He's a little older than Shirley and leaves town to become, this is kind of cool, a West Point cadet. Hmm. He has eventual plans of becoming a doctor. And one weekend, Lou Malone comes home and tells Shirley that he loves her and wants to spend the rest of his life with her and gives her his pen. Hmm. Not writing pen, pen like, let me pin you, P-I-N. Yeah, it was a 
it was I guess people still do that, but sure. It you was, have a fraternity pin sure. or a military pin, you get pinned and Yeah. It was like a first step to an engagement ring. Yeah, that makes sense. So although Shirley is in love going steady. Going steady. Going exclusively steady. Yeah. Okay, so Shirley Jones is in love with Lou Malone. Shirley is just not really quite ready to commit to a life together. So after thinking about it a little bit more, Shirley realizes that although Lou Malone is a wonderful man, being married to him was not the life for her because she wants more. Shirley wants to be in show business and to star on Broadway and not exactly be a supportive wife and small town person like her mom. Which it sounds like her mom didn't even want to be. So Shirley makes this big decision. She comes to this realization and, and Shirley writes Lou a letter telling him about her decision. And Shirley feels awful and regrets hurting him, but knows it's the right thing to do. And Lou Malone is heartbroken, but his life ended up being pretty wonderful too. So Shirley will write in her biography. Through the years, I watched Lou's professional progress from afar with great pride and affection He served with honor in Vietnam, won medals, then married and later had six children, became a doctor, the assistant to the Surgeon General, and even operated on former President Eisenhower. (laughs) Wow. Wow. During the early 80s, I was booked to perform in Maryland, and Lou got wind of it and wrote to me asking me to visit. So I called him when I arrived and We met at a little outdoor restaurant and reminisced about old times together. Although I had jilted Lou all those years ago, he was still lovely to me and said how proud he was of me. In return, I told him how proud I was of him, of all the things he'd achieved and how heroic he'd been in Vietnam. Soon after, I found out that he had terminal cancer. I was utterly devastated. A while later, I was scheduled to be in Washington, so I called Lou's wife and arranged to stop by and see him. When I arrived at his house, he came out to meet me dressed in full military uniform and invited me in. His wife left us alone together. He introduced me to two of his children. Then he brought down a lot of scrapbooks and showed me pictures of his family. We didn't have long together as I had a plane to catch. And I told Lou that I was so sorry about his condition and that I wished I could stay with him longer. He walked me to my car, but in the middle of the driveway stopped short and said, Before you go, Shirley, I have something to tell you. I never stopped loving you. And the tears flowed for both of us, and I kissed him goodbye, then left. He passed away two weeks later. Afterward, I sent his wife back his pin, along with a note telling her I felt it belonged to her. She sent me back a long note, along with a scrapbook he had kept about me and all the letters I had written to him through the years. The wife writes, I thought you should have this scrapbook so that you'll always have it as a memory of how he felt about you. 
That's a nice first love story. Yeah, that's not the spicy anecdote I was promised. Oh, <laughs> just hold up. I'm all like teary eyed. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay. Hold up. No, little little sweetness, little spice, little sugar. Come on. <laughs> Wiping my tears. That's just as a touch. That's of the story. super sweet. You hope your first love works out that way. During her final year of high school, Shirley was convinced by a friend, there's always a friend, that says, hey, you're good looking. You should enter a pageant. Oh, my God. This is like... (laughs) Okay, yes. This is the the latest trashy divorces trope. So Shirley's convinced by a friend to Mm -hmm. enter the Miss Pittsburgh pageant. Sure. She only agrees to do it, right? Because of the cash and prizes. Oh, cash and prizes. Okay, no pony. Still no pony. The winner gets a two-year scholarship to the drama school Mm -hmm. at the Pittsburgh Playhouse. That's great. Whoa, that's amazing. I'm sensing a change in direction in Shirley's life. Guess what? What? After blowing the judges away with her beautiful singing voice, is it any surprise that Shirley Jones wins Miss Pittsburgh? Huzzah! Shirley graduates from high school in 1953. She'll register for classes at a junior college, and her parents will take Shirley on their annual summer trip to New York City. And then, knock, 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 you hear that? Open the door. That's fate. (laughs) While Shirley and her parents are staying in New York City, she'll call a friend and the former musical director of the Pittsburgh Playhouse. After the two sing together for a while, he tells Shirley that he feels that she's so talented, he's going to introduce her to a Broadway agent. This is amazing. You're not even ready for the story. This story is incredible. So the agent signs her on the spot and says, Rogers and Hammerstein's casting director is having an open audition at the St. James Theater today. Why don't you go along? So, of course, Shirley Jones goes. Mm -hmm. And figuring she had nothing to lose, she gives it her all and sings the best things in life for free. And when she finishes, a voice from somewhere back in the dark auditorium at the St. James's Theater yells, Where are you from? What have you done before? Shirley Jones replies, Smithton and nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So the dark voice in the back of the auditorium asks her to sing a few more songs. And when she finishes, there's complete silence. And Shirley says she just wished the stage would open up and swallow her right there. But then the voice in the back of the room just says three words. I'm very impressed. Hmm. Stunned and excited, closing back up the hole from the stage, Shirley could hardly take in the next words, which were, Mr. Rogers happens to be across the street rehearsing the orchestra for Oklahoma at City Center. I'd like to have him hear you. In fact, she was so shocked, she didn't hear the name of the man he Mm. wanted her to sing for, and Shirley Jones does not really care. She just had this sort of -of out-of-body experience (laughs) in that moment. So it's Richard Rogers Mm -hmm. who arrives a few minutes later, and Shirley will sing the same three songs again. Wow. And when she finishes this time, another voice yells out from the back of the theater, You have a beautiful voice, young lady. And Shirley replies, Thank you, Mr. Mr. 
And Richard Rogers says, I'm Richard Rogers, my dear. Could you wait 20 minutes? I'm going to call my partner, Oscar Hammerstein, who is at home. I would like to have Mr. Hammerstein hear you sing. Wow. This is like when you go for the job interview and you realize that like there's six rounds and there's just new executives coming She's in all the time. She's on summer vacation. She's going to see a Broadway show that night. This is summertime. Hey, before just college starts. 20 minutes. We'll get Hammerstein down here. Hammerstein shows up. <laughs> Shirley will sing more songs for the pair. This time those songs included the theme song of our episode today. People will say we're in love. Hmm. And, oh, what a beautiful morning. And the thing is, Shirley doesn't know these songs very well. She's handed the lyrics on the spot, and she kind of does okay enough, I guess, because when she finishes, Richard Rogers calls out from the auditorium, Miss Jones, what are your plans? Oh, my God. For tonight? Like, what? And Shirley Jones says, well, I'm starting college in a couple of weeks, sir. Oh, my God, yeah. And uh, again, from the back of the room, Richard Rogers, Miss Jones, we would like to make you an offer. We have wow. a spot for you in the chorus of South Pacific. Wow. With that, Shirley Jones became the only performer ever, ever, ever to be put under contract with Rogers and Hammerstein. Wow. And it wasn't a short contract either. They offer her a seven-year contract to star in their Broadway musicals. This is amazing. This is like the kind of thing that aspiring performers fantasize about happening for them. That's an amazing story. This is how it all begins for Shirley Jones. She will soon move into the Barbizon Hotel for Women Barbizon Hotel, so many starlets stay there at the beginning of their careers. Legendary. I have a spider webs on that next week for Patreon. Shirley Jones has often remarked that sometimes it was kind of embarrassing how quickly and easily everything came together for her. She will say that Richard Rogers was like her fairy godfather and just enormously grateful for him. Shirley's career naturally takes off right away. In addition to her many, many Broadway roles, she will star in the film adaptation of Oklahoma in 1955, Carousel in 1956, April Love in 1957, and The Music Man in 1962. Quite the resume. This may be my favorite story ever in the whole, in the whole piece. So soon after getting the part of Lori in the movie version of Oklahoma, Shirley meets Mae West. And Shirley had always been fascinated by Mae West because, let's be fair, who isn't? And Shirley's really excited to meet the famous and infamous, legendary Mae West. Shirley's invited backstage after seeing one of Mae West's shows, and it's a hot summer night. And the temperature had reached like 100 degrees earlier in the day. And Shirley goes backstage and finds Mae West lying on a couch, half naked, with a fur coat draped over her. Hmm. And Shirley, young, innocent, asks Mae West if we could take a picture together. And Mae West looks up at Shirley Jones and says, Honey, where's your fur? And Shirley Jones replies, I don't have a fur with me, Miss West. It's summertime. And Mae West stands up and says, 
I don't take photos without a fur, and nor should you. Then Mae West goes over to her closet, pulls out a fur coat, flings it on Shirley Jones, and says, put that on, then we'll take a photo together. Okay, eccentric stars of old. (laughs) You're not even ready. Holy cats, the story is incredible. This is a fantastic time before Jack Cassidy enters the picture to take a quick break, hear from some sponsors. See you on the flip. Hey, Trash Pandas, when you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia, It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. All right, Alicia, let's stop playing around. This is Trashy Divorces. Let's get her hitched or something like it. Enter Jack Cassidy. Okay. All right. After Oklahoma premiered on October 13th, 1955, Shirley Jones becomes a household name. She gets rave reviews. Her talent is obvious to anyone who sees the film. She's a big deal. After the premiere, Rodgers and Hammerstein send Shirley back out on tour to promote the film. And this time it wouldn't just be a national tour. She's going international. She's headed over to Europe. Shirley is told the actor who would be playing Curly, Shirley's love interest, the Shirley's character's love yeah, interest, yeah. would be none other than da 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 Jack Cassidy. Now, Shirley had heard a shit ton of stories about Jack Cassidy. Those stories all come with a warning about Jack Cassidy. Shirley's agent, Selma Lynch, tells Shirley, I know he's handsome. I know he's talented, Shirley. I know he's playing your leading man, but don't. Whatever you do, fall in love with him. Every girl does. Just remember that he's married. Oh. Huh. What happens? I can't even begin to speculate. Jack Cassidy was married to the beautiful actress and singer Evelyn Ward, Jack and Evelyn had married in June of 1948 after meeting a few years earlier while starring in the Broadway musical The Firebrand of Florence. Their son, David Cassidy, was born in April 1950. Now, Jack Cassidy, handsome, dashing Broadway star, he debuted in his first musical at the tender age of 16 years old. Everyone agrees that Jack Cassidy is charming, and charismatic. He's often described in words that we don't hear too much these days. Suave, debonair, matinee idol, urbane, right? Like he's dreamy. 
And to exhibit his flair for extravagance and luxury, Jack Cassidy would wear $1,000 suits in 1950. Yikes. When the same amount of money, $1,000 in 1950, would buy you a Volkswagen Beetle. I was going to say, it's, yeah, oof, different times. Shirley will say later in life that Jack's limo bill, his limousine bill, would regularly be $3,000 a week. And he owns 104 pairs of shoes. Does he have more feet than most people? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> okay. Now, I, to be fair, Jack Cassidy is supremely talented. He'll make his Broadway debut in Cole Porter's Something for the Boys. Cole Porter, who had written legendary show tunes, Let's Do It, Let's Fall in Love, you do something to me. I get a kick out of you. Well, I mean, with all of those extra legs, I bet he does get a kick out of, you know, for the extra feet, for the shoes. Describes Jack Cassidy's Broadway star by saying Jack was the tops. Now, at first, Shirley is determined not to like Jack. But when they meet, she realizes that she had been unprepared for the charm assault that is Jack Cassidy. But not just charm, talent and warmth, and their chemistry is palpable, and the whole cast and crew could feel it, and when they rehearse their duet, people will say we're in love for the first time. The European director, Ruben Mamolian, snapped, Now, now, darlings, we only fall in love in the play. It is only on stage that Uh, we do this. Do not take this outside with you. So what do they do? Jack and Shirley laugh along with everyone else, but from that moment on... Just take it right on outside with them. Shirley has fallen under Jack's spell. Mm -hmm. The cast and crew of Oklahoma left soon after for the American National Theater and Academy with the goal of enhancing the relationship between the United States and France. So the company is going to be performing in Paris... And soon, oh, ever so soon, Shirley Jones will be falling in love. One evening during that European tour, a few people, including Shirley and Jack, were dining at the Tour d'Argent restaurant in the Eiffel Tower. Kind of a big deal. Shirley, this particular night, because I guess it's a perfect time to do it, if you're dining in the Eiffel Tower, you have your first glass of champagne. Sure. Like first ever? First ever. Okay. First ever glass of champagne in Paris. Welcome to Paris. In the Eiffel Tower. This is dreamy, right? Enjoy your champagne. Hello, Valentine's Day. And the setting, right, is something straight out of a romantic movie. Jack and Shirley dance the night away before getting a cab back to the hotel. But right before the cab was about to cross the bridge over the Seine, Jack asked the driver to stop. Then Jack turns to Shirley and asks, if she would like to get out and walk over the bridge with him. And Shirley, no hesitation, takes his hand and walks with him. And Shirley describes this walk as a flood of her senses in the early morning hours in Paris. They walked hand in hand and she never wanted it to end. She'll write, It seemed to me that our walk across the Seine lasted for hours and I never wanted it to end. I felt so close to Jack, so very close. Looking back, I believe that dawn walk with Jack, most of it done in silence, changed my life. Wow. 
When they get back to the hotel, Jack Cassidy kisses Shirley Jones gently and says, I'm going to marry you. And Shirley Jones will reply back, but you're already married. (laughs) And Jack Cassidy replies, I know. And then the two stroll down the hallway to his room. Okay. After Paris, the production will move on to Rome. By the end of this, their... What is, this is like the tour of the romantic cities of the world. Great job, everyone. Don't fall in <laughs> love with them. Then on to Venice, and they're going to perform on gondolas. Like, what? <laughs> By the end of the triumphant <laughs> European tour... <laughs> they're married. <laughs> well, Shirley Jones had lost her virginity mm. to Jack Cassidy, and Jack had given quite an introduction to sex for Shirley. She will recall he was a great lover that night and every night afterward. He was inventive and extremely well endowed. He had no inhibitions about sex, no barriers, and he taught me to be the same, to be free about sex and to openly want it and love it. Doesn't take long before rumors of their illicit affair travel back to America when Rogers and Hammerstein hear of this, they order Shirley Jones home immediately. Yeah. Once Shirley's back home, they'll cast her as Julie in the movie version of Carousel, far, far, far away from Jack Cassidy. Shirley Jones was told she'd be starring in Carousel with Frank Sinatra, Old Blue Eyes, sure. who was fresh off his success in From Here to Eternity. As it turns out, Old Blue Eyes walked off the set. He does not star in Carousel. Frank is replaced by Gordon McRae. This is a good story. This story's coming in Spider Eggs along with the Cole Porter story. We're going long for Spider Eggs this week, but it's Gordon McRae who gets the part. Shirley's on set shooting Carousel for three months, and during that time, Shirley does not see Jack, but speaks with him on the telephone each night. Timing is everything. Right before Shirley and Jack reunite at the wrapping of the filming of Carousel, Jack and Evelyn go to Mexico and obtain a hasty divorce. Quickie divorce. Jack comes back, tells Shirley he is free to marry her, and Shirley is thrilled. This is pretty quick. Shirley Jones and Jack Cassidy get married August 6th, 1956. Like this is all happening so known in each just other months or whatever. Just a few, like a year. Okay, yeah. She stars in Oklahoma in '55. Like this is all going real fast. Mm-hmm. They get married in Cambridge, Massachusetts. A few hours after the ceremony, the two Jack and Shirley will perform the evening show of John Gay's The Beggar's Opera at the Saunders Theater on the Harvard campus. Now, Shirley's dad, remember Paul? He likes Jack. But Marjorie, Shirley's mom, does not. And Marjorie makes zero attempt to hide the fact that she does not like Jack Cassidy. Anytime Marjorie sees Jack, she would confront him about his womanizing and ask her new son-in-law, so how many other women are you seeing on the side? And Jack would just laugh and say, none, but don't worry, Marge, I'll soon find a few. Oh, my. All right. Another good thing happened on their wedding day. The New York Times announces that Shirley and Gordon McRae would star in a tribute to Cole Porter to air on CBS. Wow. 
Shirley's excited. Mm -hmm. And Shirley asked her new husband if he had ever met Cole Porter. And she found out more than what she had bargained for in that question that's coming up on spider eggs at the end of this because it's a little too dirty for the main feed. But what she heard from Jack was certainly an insight into Jack's many sexual experiences, including those with other men. Cole Porter was not the only one. This is where Shirley Jones also learns that Jack and director-choreographer Bob Fosse often lived together when they were out on the road. Hmm. Fosse was a notorious ladies' man, and Jack Cassidy will tell Shirley Jones that he and Fosse would often have threesomes with different women. The newlyweds' first apartment was on East 52nd Street and East River Drive in Manhattan. And Shirley really here, I guess, by watching her parents and their relationship, Shirley always lets Jack be the star of the show. She'll just fade into the background. Jack wants the spotlight, and Shirley's like, nah, there you go. Jack will call her Mouse. That's her nickname, is Mouse, and Shirley lives up to it, or, Mm -mm. yeah, she just is very quiet, takes takes a back seat. Jack wants Shirley to be the perfect hostess, never wanting to be upstaged, and Shirley was really, really careful not to ever do anything to make Jack feel that way. Did it work, though, or did he end up feeling upstaged anyway? The show is called Trashy Divorces. I'm going to let you make an assumption on that one. and answered. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Blissful marriages with Alicia and Stacy. This is a little section. uh, Anyone interested in dinner and drinks? Oh, and some pornography and swinging, too. Hey. So not long after they're married, Jack showed Shirley a capsule while they were in bed. And he told her he wanted her to try it and said, it's really great, and particularly if you do it during sex. So Shirley's trust in Jack is so great that she agrees to do it the next time they had sex. And Jack opens the capsule and she sniffs the drug inside, which is amyl nitrate. So there's like poppers? Mm -hmm. Okay. Not that I know what that is. Although Shirley had never done drugs before, Mm -hmm. she confesses the result was amazing and the popper had intensified her orgasm immensely. Don't do drugs, kids. Another story from their early marriage is an example of when Shirley was not yet quite so willing to be as adventurous. One night in the late 60s, her idol, Anthony Newley, invited Shirley and Jack over to have dinner with he and his wife, Joan Collins. Hmm. Anthony Newley and Joan Collins at this time live in Beverly Hills, and Shirley's really excited for this evening out because she really admires Anthony Newley as a singer. Newley and Collins welcome Shirley and Jack, and the four of them enjoy cocktails before enjoying a delicious meal that Joan Collins herself had prepared. After dinner, the four move into the living room for after-dinner drinks and conversation, and Mm. once they're all settled, Anthony Newley announces, So, right, we've got some porno movies. Why don't we all get naked and watch together? Don't make it weird, dude. Obviously, everyone knew that it was an invitation for swinging. Sure. Jack looked at Shirley and politely asked her, How do you feel about that, Shirley? And Shirley shook her head and said, Not me. 
And Jack looked at Anthony Newley and said, my wife is a very beautiful and sexy woman, but she really isn't interested in anything like that. And listen, guys, it's late for us. It was a rare case of Jack Cassidy showing restraint and deferring to his wife's wishes. Doesn't happen very often. Okay. So things are still in the good times. Mm -hmm. This is the little bit of the section of the story where Shirley Jones plays a sex worker, wins an Oscar, and Jack Cassidy's going to get real, real jealous. Mm, Upstaged, yeah. Burt Lancaster had long been Shirley Jones' idol. The poster on her teenage wall is Burt Lancaster. So Shirley one day gets a phone call from a deep male voice saying, This is Burt Lancaster. And Shirley thinks it's a joke and hangs up. (laughs) Another trope that comes up now and then. But the phone immediately rings again, and sure enough, it really, really is Burt Lancaster. And Burt Lancaster asked Shirley if she had read the novel Elmer Gantry, and Shirley had not. And Burt Lancaster tells Shirley to go get the novel because they are making a movie out of it, and he wanted her to play the role of Lulu Baines. Now, by this time, Shirley's frustrated in Hollywood because they're kind of only viewing her as a singer who starred in musicals. And Shirley thinks of herself as an actress, and she would like to be taken seriously for her acting skills as well, just not her singing ability. So, Natch, Shirley's super excited about the prospect of playing Lulu Baines, who was described as, quote, a real flesh-and-blood woman, the daughter of a deacon, undone by passion and forced into prostitution, unquote. Now, not only did the role of Lulu Baines and Elmer Gantry let Shirley show her acting talents in new ways, it also allowed her to kiss her teen idol, Burt Lancaster, whom Shirley called a world-class kisser. She says he remained the best kisser of any of her co-stars throughout the rest of her career. Wow. He's so dreamy. When it comes time for Oscar nominations, Shirley is thrilled to learn that she had been nominated for a Best Supporting Actress that year. She's considered to be an underdog, so Shirley shows up with zero expectation of winning. But April 17th, 1961, the Oscar goes to Shirley Jones for her work in the film Elmer Gantry. Huzzah! This was certainly a wonderful accomplishment Uh and a milestone in Shirley's career. Yeah. But, 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 it will also signal a turning point in her marriage. Mm. When Shirley and Jack had met, Shirley was the one new to showbiz. She was the ingenue. Jack was the big Broadway star. He was the recognizable name. He was the face. He got all the attention. We've seen it before. Right? Oh, we've established this power balance, and now the power balance is changing a bit. Because mm-hmm. once you win an Oscar, it turns out you're... Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. The trajectories have shifted. So the role's getting a little bit reversed, and Jack Cassidy does not handle it too well. In fact, Shirley would write in her memoir that winning that Academy Award would prove to be the beginning of the end for my marriage to Jack. And it was, friends. 
We're going to be back next week for part two for the middle and end in this story coming this weekend. I love this story. It is so good. You're just going to leave us on this cliffhanger of conflict? You bet I am. You bet I am. You got to come back. We're setting it up. But there's a little spice. There's a little sugar. There's some background on Shirley Jones. For my Patreon folks, stay tuned. We're going extra long in our spider eggs this week with a lot of connected stories to Shirley Jones. These are spider eggs bliss, including threads to Cole Porter, Truman Capote, Frank Sinatra, Shirley MacLaine, Warren Beatty, Sammy Davis Jr., Judy Garland, and Marlon Brando. So Patreon folks, stay tuned for that. It is a veritable trash candy collection of previous trashy divorces, alums there. Folks, y'all can all get those spider eggs along with ad-free and early episodes eight times a month for $2. $2 a month by joining patreon.com slash trashy divorces. That's a bargain at any price. Yeah, that that is. <laughs> Good Lord. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks to all of y'all who we're going to see on Thursday for our live show. We're so excited. If you want to grab a ticket to that, Stacy, tell everybody again. Sure, it's moment.co slash trashy divorces, and tickets will be on sale right up until the start of the show. Oh, gosh, it's going to be so much fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Same. Thanks, everybody, for coming to part one of Shirley Jones and Jack Cassidy today. I'm going to be back fresh, hot, and ready for part two of this story this weekend for you. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you. Until we see you again this weekend, friends. Actually, Thursday, I suppose. Friends, keep your hands clean. Oh, keep those hearts trashy. Big love, everybody. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there. And thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.